Good morning, everyone. I think everybody thought it was going to snow today. Wow. Choir's here. Glad y'all are here, too. Welcome to everybody. Uh, it's good to share this time. Even though there are a few of us here, it's good to sh- share this time of fellowship and worship with each of you today. And we welcome everyone. We welcome our guests, especially this morning. You're uh, very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way. Let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to fill those out so we can have a record of your attendance with us. And uh, if you could do that, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, And uh, as you're doing that, let me call to your attention some announcements that we have, some activities that uh, uh, we're going to be involved in uh, very soon now. Uh, On Wednesday, we will be having a blood drive here at the church. And so if you would like to uh, make a reservation for that or like to volunteer, Please see Jika, uh, and she will be glad to sign you up. And then, uh, after you give your, <clears throat> excuse me, after you give your blood, you're invited to stay for for dinner at 5:45, and then uh, Bible study at 6:30. And we invite you to do that. Also, on uh, Sunday, uh, next Sunday, we'll be having a deacon ordination during our morning service. Uh, Kirk Haynes, Rachel Hobson, Connie Hogberg, and Brittany Smith will be uh, ordained to the deacon ministry, and so uh, I know you'll want to come and, and be a part of, of that uh, celebration and that ordination, and then to celebrate that afterwards, we're going to be having a potluck lunch, so uh, everybody bring a dish, preferably with something in it, and uh, to share with everyone, and we'll have a good time of fellowship and, and celebration. The following Wednesday, on February the 14th, that's Ash Wednesday, and we will be observing Ash Wednesday with Zion UCC at Zion UCC along with uh, First Christian Church and that'll be at 5.30 and uh, and today uh, the Run Walk or anybody else uh, group is is going to be walking what what time? 3 o'clock at 3 o'clock 3 o'clock this afternoon and if they need to if you would sign up. Yeah, if, if you would, uh, sign a piece of paper at the table uh, to let us know if you're going to be here tonight or, or this afternoon at 3 o'clock to walk uh, with the Run Walk uh, for God group. Come back Wednesday. And come back Wednesday for the at five o'clock for the for the meeting. And uh, also, there's one other thing. There's a performance opportunity for actors and vocalists in Evansville. Uh, there's an original two-act Christian play uh, that's going to be premiering at the Victory Theater there. And so, if you're interested in uh, uh, trying out for a part or or for uh, uh, singing in the chorus or something, there's an in- information on the table there. As you go out and you pick it up and, and follow up on that. And Sybil, do you have something to say? I think Sybil has something to say. <laughs> Hang on, folks. As most of you know, our refrigerator went out um, in early December, um, and we've been borrowing a refrigerator from the Basket Recreation League. Uh, We have recently purchased a new commercial refrigerator. Uh, This was not included in our budget for 2018 because that would have thrown us way out of budget. So the trustees are asking if you possibly can give anything over and above what you're already given for your tithes in the uh, principal reduction. Um, We 
did spend $1,800 on that refrigerator. We put it on the credit card to buy us 30 days to be able to pay for it. So if you guys could uh, possibly help us out in any way, please put a notation on your envelope or on your check um, the amount that you're putting towards the refrigerator. And please do that over and above your tithes and your principal reduction. We don't want to reduce any of that. Thank you. Thank you. And so if you ever enjoy a meal here or, or <laughs> anything where uh, we have to use that refrigerator, then uh, uh, we encourage you to kick in a little bit towards that. We would certainly appreciate it. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of Christ and uh, just share the fellowship of, of, uh, of God's love with one another. God, I have to confess that I'm a bit bewildered today. I'm bewildered because we live in a world where the prevailing belief is that there is no such thing as truth. For many people, truth is whatever they say it is, regardless of what is really true. And for many, they say that there is no ultimate meaning in life. And I think how sad to live a life like that. Because God, You have come to give us life and to give us life more abundant. So even though we may not be able to discern 
the meaning and purpose from day-to-day living, we can, indeed, we must find purpose in You. God, we live in a world where people are just not thinking straight. We live in a world where truth is stretched, pulled, spun, and twisted so much that it is meaningless. We live in a world where people actually believe a person is telling the truth when they say there is no truth. And how lost we are when we regard no truth to be truth. And by so doing, we reject the truth. And Lord... We know that this is nothing new. This debate over truth has been with us since the beginning of time. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The serpent's whole plan was a subtle attack on truth. His his first ploy was to cast doubt. Did God really say that? Then he resorted to direct denial. Surely you will not die. And then he moved to a blatant lie. God knows that if you eat, you'll be like God. God, this serpent, this father of lies, shifted gears with ease. And he, he successfully drove a wedge between you, Lord, and us, the bearers of your image. How foolish our first parents were to listen to him then. And how foolish we are to listen to Him now. How sad and dangerous it is for people to live their lives depreciating truth. You told us, O Christ, for this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. We thank You, God. We thank You for telling us the truth. And we thank You that this truth is the foundation that we have for a meaningful life. We thank You, God, that Your grace has triumphed in our lives. You have opened our eyes so that we can see You and embrace You, not simply as an emissary of truth, but as the embodiment of truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life. So please continue your work in us. Make us in the image of your truth and allow us to be conveyors only of your truth. Amen.
any people here ages 12 and under? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How are you? Can you tell me your name? Zoe. 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 Good morning. Can you tell us your name? No. Can you tell us your name? Wyatt. Wyatt. Well, I'm looking for the color red. Can you find the color red, Kinley? Take the box. See if you can find it. And let's see. Zoe, can you find Valentine's Day? Whoops. Valentine's Day. And Wyatt, can you find four quarters? You know, I teach school, and I'm really disappointed in my students right now because I told them that their homework assignment was to do a snow dance. (laughs) All I see is sunshine. You know what I mean? I need a snow day. Teachers, it's the best thing in the world is when you're a teacher and you get a snow day. You found Valentine's Day. When you're at school, are you looking for stuff? Do you ever see your teachers looking? This is what this is what it looks like for me at school. I, I have to roll one of these around. I'm always looking for stuff. Do you ever look for anything? What do you look for? Your pencils? Uh, do you ever look for anything like in your bedroom or your playroom at home? Like what's something that you look for? Toys. Wyatt, do you ever look for something at school? Uh, yeah, my pencils. Your pencils. Uh, are you like this? I have a student who's like this. And he's always looking for a paper. I know I did it, Mr. Haynes. I know I did it. I, said, oh, I believe you. And I will grade it when you can find it. I do. Do you ever look for anything, Kenley? Do you have a favorite baby doll or something that you look for? Well, you know what? Everybody in here looks for stuff. You know what adults look for? They look for these. And a lot of times I look like this. And one of my students will say, well, they're on your head. And I'll say, oh, yeah, they are. And I look for these. Do you know anybody at your house that's always missing their keys? Like, I'm always looking for my keys. Kyle. <laughs> Some of my students, they're always looking for these. What's this? A charger. They're always looking for to charge their device. And I'm like, why do you need to charge it? Because you can't have it out at school anyway. <laughs> well, you know what? The most important thing that we could look for for every single day is Jesus. And we find him in this chapter book that we call the Bible. Let me tell you something about one of the stories for Jesus. Um, Jesus was tempted in the desert. The devil tried to get him to do something that was wrong. Kind of reminds me of a Marvel comic strip. All the good uh, comic book characters against all the evil ones. And then I look here in the book of Luke, and there was a little bitty guy named Zacchaeus, and he collected taxes. Do you know anybody that helps people collect their taxes? You don't? Well, I do, and I'm going to see her this week. She better be nice. (laughs) 
Well, Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man, and he wanted to see Jesus so much. He was looking for Jesus that he climbed up into a tree, and Jesus saw him. You know what? We can find Jesus all throughout this book, and he's looking for you, Zoe. He's looking for you, Wyatt. He's looking for you, Kenley, and he loves you. He's got great things for you to do. Let's close our eyes and just think about Jesus. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us no matter when we're lost, no matter when we don't know where we are or can't find our way. You're looking for us and you love us. Amen. Sometimes, before you make a change in a song, you need to talk about it first. (laughs) So our next song that we're going to do is very familiar to most everybody. And we're going to change it just a little bit. I like to sing this song as if you're dancing. So when you sing this, think about you are dancing for joy. And think about that first feeling that you had when Jesus came into your heart. And we have a fermata, that's a note that we will hold a long time, but it's usually in a different spot than when I'm placing it today, but it's on the overhead. It'll say the words in capital letters and dot, 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 dot. So let's sing it together. Let's think about dancing and let's have a good time. Since Jesus came into my heart.
please pray with me. Gracious God, thank you for our church and our church family. Where hugs are plentiful, the music and even the dancing is beautiful. (laughs) The words of Dr. Tim help us through our following week. And our giving is meaningful. Continue to guide us in our giving, especially those in need right here in Henderson. Perhaps the family of four that are homeless this week. Or the 18-year-old who's on his own. We just continue to ask your guidance in what we do in our everyday life and in our church home. When we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. from the book of Mark, chapters 1, verses 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many of who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. 
in the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to the deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went through Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord.
I hope that's true in your life. Oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by. Welcome to this very special holy day on the liturgical calendar. I know that some of you like to uh, keep up with the special days of the church year. We began a few weeks ago with the season of Advent, and then we had the 12 days of Christmas, and then there was Epiphany, and in about a week and a half we're going to be observing Ash Wednesday, which will begin the season of Lent. But here's the test. How many of you know what liturgical high holy day today is? Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Of course. There's no use fighting it. I know that some of you are focused almost completely on football today. I, um, I heard about one young fellow who's really kind of in a jam. Um, you see, months ago, he bought two tickets for today's Super Bowl game, but he forgot that he and his fiance had scheduled their wedding for today. <laughs> and so now he realizes he can't go, of course. So, so if you're interested and want to go in his place, uh, here's the relevant information. It's at St. Peter's Church in New York City <laughs> at 5 p.m. The bride's name is Louise, and she'll be the one wearing the wedding dress. And, of course, even pastors can get caught up in the Super Bowl uh, fever. I heard about one church where the time of, uh, for collecting the offering was coming up, and so the pastor, uh, who was a true sports uh, enthusiast, reached into his pocket and took out a quarter and flipped it into the air, glanced at it as, he hit the, as it hit the, uh, the floor, and in a typical referee fashion announced, the ushers will be receiving. <laughs> I don't know if the offering was any larger that day or not after the attempt at sports levity there, and but I guess it was worth a try. Well, that's enough for football for today, at least until late this afternoon. Um, but in today's story, Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. Uh, most of us don't normally think about Simon Peter or any of the other disciples as being married, but obviously he was. He had a mother-in-law, and Jesus healed her of a fever. And after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, Mark tells us that the people of the area brought in all of their sick and their demon-possessed to Jesus. In fact, the whole town gathered at his door. Now think about that. The whole town was gathered at his door. I guess this was the first century equivalent of a flash mob. And they didn't communicate by Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or anything like that. They they did it the old-fashioned way, by word of mouth. But it worked. The whole town gathered at his door. Everybody wanted to see Jesus. And we are told that he cured the sick and he cast out demons. And then the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and went out to a solitary place to pray. And folks, that's important. You see, no matter how pressing his calendar may have been, and no matter how many people wanted to see him and needed him, Jesus took the time to pray. Sounds like he was setting a good example for you and me, doesn't it? Well, Simon and his companions went looking for him. 
And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. And to me, that makes sense. I'm not quite sure how to say this without it sounding like a platitude or a cliché, but I really do believe that deep down, all people everywhere are looking for Christ. They may not know His name. They may not use the same religious symbols and terminology that you and I normally use, but they are looking for Christ all the same. And why do I say that? Well, for one thing, I believe that everyone is searching for some meaning in their lives. Everybody needs something to believe in, don't you think? Everybody needs something to, to guide their lives. Otherwise, they, they wake up one day and they realize that nothing in life really makes sense. Could it be that they think to themselves that like all the other animals on the earth, we are simply born and live out our time and then we die? That's it? There's no meaning to love. There's no meaning to sorrow. There's no meaning to, to life itself. Of course, that's the philosophy of a lot of people today. It's like a man I heard about who filled up his, his gas tank and then he drove away from the gas station. He realized he had, he had left his, his, uh, his gas cap on the top of his car. And so he stopped and he looked and sure enough, it was gone. So he thought for a second and he realized that, well, other people must have done the same thing. So it might be worthwhile just going back and looking along the side of the road. And even if he didn't find his gas cap, maybe he find one, could find one that, that fit. And sure enough, after searching for a while, he found a gas cap and he wiped it off and slipped it into place and gave it a turn and it had that satisfying click. It fit. And then he told his wife as he climbed back into the car, I may have lost my gas cap, but I found another one. And it fits. And it's even better than the one I had. This one locks. (laughs) Well, that's great. Until the next time he needs gas. I mean, what good is a locking gas cap if you don't have the key? And the point is that like that man with the locked gas tank, too many people have the secret of life is locked up. They think that they, for, for, for them the secret of life is, is, is locked somewhere and they don't have the key to it. And to them, nothing really makes any sense. It's just one thing after another. And then you die. That renowned preacher and professor and storyteller, Fred Craddock, tells a delightful little story that caught my attention. He said he was visiting in the home of one of his former students one evening, and after a great meal, the young parents excused themselves to hustle the kids off to bed, and they left Fred in the living room with the the family pet, which was a large, sleek greyhound. 
Earlier in the evening, Fred had watched the kids as they tussled around and rolled on the floor with this playing with the greyhound. And, and the father told Fred, that's a full-blooded greyhound there. He used to race professionally in Florida, and then we rescued him. Great dog with the kids. And so there was Fred sitting there all alone with the greyhound. And suddenly the dog turned to Fred and asked, Is this your first visit to Connecticut? Well, I didn't say it was a true story. But Fred said, No, I went to school up here a long time ago. And the greyhound said, Well, I guess you heard I came up here from Miami. And Fred said, Oh, yeah, that's right. And then he said, Are you retired? No, said the greyhound. Is that what they told you? No, no, I'm not retired. I didn't retire. He said, I tell you, I spent years as a professional racing hound, and that means ten years of running around that track day after day, seven days a week with others chasing that rabbit. And one day I got up close and I got a good look at that rabbit, and guess what? It was fake. I spent my whole life chasing a fake rabbit. Hey, I didn't retire. I quit. <laughs> That's no wonder that dog quit. And I certainly, certainly hope that no one here can relate to that greyhound. But there are a lot of people who can. They're spending their whole life chasing fake rabbits. And in their minds, there's really no purpose. There's no key. There's no meaning. Some of you may be familiar with the very famous French existentialist uh, novelist named Albert Camus. He was one of the 20th century's uh, most famous skeptics. But towards the end of his life, he realized that there was a vacuum in his life that nothing could fill. And so he began attending the American church in Paris. And he even discussed with the pastor there the possibility of baptism. Very unusual for someone, a skeptic like Camus. He said, the reason I've been coming to church, he told the pastor, is because I'm seeking I'm almost on a pilgrimage, he said. I'm seeking something to fill the void that I am experiencing. Certainly the the readers of my novels, while they see that void, they're not finding the answers in, in what they're reading. But deep down, you're right, Camus said. I'm searching for something that the world cannot give me. And what Camus did not understand was that there was nothing in this world that could satisfy his search for meaning. There's only one person who can do that. And his name is Jesus. In order to have a satisfying life, we must have meaning in our life. And his disciples came to Jesus and he said, and they said, everyone's looking for you. And I believe that's true whether we recognize it or not. Everyone is looking for Jesus. For you see, He is the truth. He is the way. And He is the life. And this truth is revealed in the rest of the story. After the disciples told Jesus that everyone was looking for Him, Jesus turned to them and replied, Let's go somewhere else. 
Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. For that is why I, I came. Why did Jesus come into our world? He came to share the message of love and forgiveness. He came to give us the key to a very big secret. It is the good news that life does have meaning. My friends, we're not alone in this world. We're not here by ourselves with no key to life's meaning. Jesus provides that key for us. Michio Kaku was an, is an outstanding physicist, a thinker uh, about the future of, of life on earth. And he tells about when he was eight years old. He remembers all of the teachers in his school were, were buzzing with the latest news that a great scientist had died. The night, uh, that night, the newspapers printed a picture of the scientist's office, and on his desk there was an incomplete manuscript. The caption read that the greatest scientist of our time could not finish his greatest masterpiece. And so, young Machio Kaku thought to himself, what could be so difficult that such a great scientist could not finish it? What could possibly be that complicated and that important? And this became a fascination for him, a compulsion for him. He became more fascinating with this than any murder mystery, more intriguing than any adventure story. He had to know what was in that manuscript. Well, later, of course, he found out that the name of this scientist was Albert Einstein. And the unfinished manuscript he was working on was to be his crowning achievement. This was Einstein's attempt to create the theory of everything, an equation that would unlock the secrets of the universe and perhaps even allow him to read the mind of God. Well, he never finished his search. He was never able to read the mind of God. But I will say this for Einstein. His search may have been presumptuous, but he never dismissed the possibility of the existence of God. And that's something to say for a lot of scientists these days. He never dismissed the possibility of the existence of God. Dr. Daniel Loy tells about the bronze statue of Professor Einstein in Washington, D.C. It's huge. The statue is 21 feet tall. As you see, Einstein's figure is seated there. He's wearing a baggy sweater and wrinkled corduroy pants. He's wearing sandals on his feet. His hair is that familiar disarray like he just woke up in the morning. Uh, the expression on Einstein's face is a mixture of wisdom and peace and wonder. His face reflects the serenity of a man who believed that the divine, a divine mind had conceived the universe and, and he spent his life trying to understand that universe. He would tell his colleagues who believed in a random universe that God does not play dice with the universe. Albert Einstein 
perhaps the smartest man who ever lived, died without ever being able to read the mind of God. But I will tell each of you today that you can find the key to the meaning of everything. And here it is. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ and His love for all of us. If you're looking for some sort of meaning in your life, guess what? You don't have to look any further. He is the light that shines in the darkness. He is the hope that never fails. He is the life that never ends. He is the key to the secret of life. And when we join our life with His, we find everything that we need for a complete, fulfilled life. I understand that there's a sign in the Memphis airport. And Memphis, of course, is the home of Elvis Presley. Uh, But on that sign at the Memphis airport is the motto of Graceland, the, the former home of the king of rock and roll. The sign reads, Discover Your Inner Elvis. Some of you probably have seen it. I know we have some Elvis fans here in the room today. But let me tell you something. This may be bordering on on uh, blasphemy here, but here it's the thing. Far more important than discovering our inner Elvis is the opportunity that you and I have to discover our inner Jesus. You see, He is our hope for making sense out of our lives. He is our hope for giving us a sense of meaning and purpose. And the formula that He gave us to do that is so very, very simple. Love God and love your neighbor. That's it. That's all you have to do. And if you do that, you will indeed have a full and meaningful life. Love God. Love your neighbor. Robert Wuthnow tells about a rescue squad worker named Jack Casey. It seems that Jack had a difficult childhood. He once said, "All all I ever learned from my father was I didn't want to be like him. You see... Jack was raised in a in a tough home, and he was the son of an alcoholic father. But something happened to Jack when he was a child, and it changed his life forever. You see, there was a time when Jack needed to have surgery, and, and, and he was terrified. He was scared. He was a small child, and he was scared to death. And he remembered the nurse who remained by his side, holding his hand all all during that time, reassuring him that everything was going to be okay. She said, I'll be right here. No no matter what, I'll be right here with you, she told him. She kept her word. She was there the whole time and, and greeted him with a warm smile when he opened his eyes after the surgery. Well, years later, that kind nurse influenced Jack to become a a paramedic. 
And one night he was called to the scene of an accident and a man was pinned upside down in his pickup truck and Jack did everything that he could to try to free the man even though gasoline was dripping down on both of them. The man was afraid that he was going to die that night as the rescuers worked to try to free him. All it would have taken was just one little spark and the whole, whole scene would have been up in flames. But Jack remembered that time when that nurse was there. That nurse who never left him in his time of need. And so he took that man's hands in his and he squeezed them. And he said, don't worry. I'm right here with you. I'm not going anywhere. Days later, the rescue truck driver said to Jack, you know, you were an idiot. You were an idiot to stay there. That thing could have exploded and we both would have been burned up. We would have been up in flames. But Jack said, I just couldn't leave you. I just couldn't leave you. That meant a lot. And my friends, that's why there is meaning to life. It is because there is someone who will never, ever, ever leave us. No matter what our situation may be. And He calls upon us to share that same kind of love and compassion to everyone we meet. So don't go through life believing that the secret to life is locked up somewhere with no key available for the likes of you and me. There's a key. His name is Jesus. And He is more than willing to unlock that simple mystery of a fulfilled life. Love God. Love your neighbor. If you do those two things, life pretty much falls into place. Amen. Let's sing together. I heard the voice of Jesus say, number 577. And as we do, let us, let us each in our own way seek after this Christ. Look for Christ. Because Christ is the key to our full, abundant, eternal life.
as you have come into Christ's healing presence, go forth to heal. Go forth to bless and to serve in the name of Jesus. Go forth to speak and honor the truth of God and thus be fulfilled in your life. Go and live in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in His name, proclaim what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, lovely, and admirable. Dwell on these things, and the peace of God will be with you always. Amen.